This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. Hello. How are you, Fresno? I have never been to Fresno before, so... I'm so uh, appreciative of this. And actually, I have to be honest, I, this afternoon when I was talking with your pastors here, I, um, when I came in from the airport, uh, was asked how I ended up accepting this invite. And I said, well, I, you know, I've been making room in my life for new relationships. And, and then I got back to my hotel room. I remember that wasn't actually how it came about. I was in a meeting and somebody came through and said, Celebration want to know if you will fit in a Wednesday. Well, I have good friends that pastor a church, Celebration, in Jacksonville, Florida. And I was heading to Florida around the time that that Wednesday request came in. And so I said, I'm sure we can make it work. I'm sure it'll be fine. And so I said yes initially to that invite, thinking I was going to Stovall Weems Church, who I know well, in Jacksonville. So when he says it was a miracle that I ended up here, it actually was a miracle that I ended up here. And then, and then, I don't know if you know the full story, but I was supposed to be here way sooner than this evening. And... I didn't show up on our first date. And I never don't show up on a first date, but something happened at my son's school in England. You start high school at age 11, and they had a new head teacher that had joined the school, and they changed the calendar, and they made his, like, finishing of primary and the beginning of high school, the big ceremony, the Wednesday I was supposed to be here. And I just, my mom's heart was like, I have to get on a plane, and I have to go home. I'm so sorry. I have never done this before. So I even had an out after I'd realized I wasn't going to Florida to not come to Fresno because my son could have been my excuse. So that was the second miracle that I said, I will definitely come back to Fresno. So, so, and then God tested it again with a stupid baseball game. Who cares about baseball? So I do think God has you here by design, by purpose. I do. And I'm just leaving you on your feet just for a couple of seconds longer because you don't know me, I don't know you, but really all you need to know about me is that I love this book. It is life-changing. I preached my first message at age 21. I'm now 44 years of age, and I have been in love with this book pretty much all my life. It has given me wisdom when I had none. It has brought healing when I've been in a place where I felt disappointed and hurt and offended. It's been strength to my soul when I've not found strength in anybody else's words. It has been promises for my future. It's been correction in my wrongdoing. It has been a lifeline to me. And I'm keeping you on your feet because I think we take it for granted. You know, there's parts of the world where if they open this book tonight... They'd be in fear for their lives. And we get to come every week, every Sunday, and we get to hear messages from this word. And I know that what's in this book changes lives. I know because I have seen it firsthand. I know that what we're about to do in the next 30 minutes can transform your marriage. It can change your mindset. It can bring a, a revelation. It can make you stand up taller. It can make your brokenness become whole. I know that the power in this book is not faulty, but I also know, I also know, because I've been preaching a long time, I also know That when I preach and when others preach and when the word is opened, some people leave different. And others leave exactly the way they came. So if there's nothing wrong with this, then the problem is on our end. And what happens is we become familiar. We take it for granted. And we don't listen with desperation. We listen because we're being polite. We don't hunger and thirst for the word like our life depended on it, though it does. We don't get passionate anymore about the scripture being opened. We get laid back and blasé and apathetic about it. 
And so we have to understand that every time this is opened, seeds about to leave and be flung into the air. And you must choose whether you want your soil to take that seed home. You must choose whether you want that soil to receive it. So we're just taking a moment on our feet to just stop a moment so you can fix your soil. I don't know what is going on in your soil, whether it's weary or distracted or concerned or whether there's things there that are choking the space, whether it's just tired or worn out, I don't know. But you right now can fix that. You can say, God, I, I want to hear tonight. I, I don't care about a game. I care that my marriage is not right. I don't care about scoreboards. I care that I'm offended and I'm still not right. I, God, I care that my neighbor's going to hell and I haven't even told them about you. God, I'm making room in my soil tonight. So, Father, we stand in your presence. We're so grateful for this living, breathing word of God. And God, I pray there would be a fresh awakening of hunger in your church for your word. Lord, I pray that we would lean in once again, like our very life depended upon it. God, I pray we would not get so passionate about sports and get so apathetic about the word. I pray we would reprioritize our life and we would lean in and not listen to popular opinion with more hunger than we do your words and your commandments and your promises. And God, I pray that a seed is flung out tonight, that soil would be open and receptive to be challenged and corrected and changed and transformed. And I pray that not one seed will fall to the ground, that every single life will open up and receive what it is you have for them. So God, I pray I would get out of the way so that you can have your way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may take your seats. I'm going to ask you a question at the beginning of my time with you, and I'm going to ask you the same question at the end of my time with you. And it's a question that God asked me about maybe seven months ago. I've discovered something about my relationship with God, and you know, God will speak to you in a way that sometimes is unique, and sometimes he just knows how to get your attention because you're God's kid just like you know how to get the attention of different kids in your family. And for me, I've begun to realize that sometimes God will speak to me or put a thought in me or awaken something in me in my sleep. And so now I have a notepad and a pen next to me because oftentimes I might wake up and think, I don't know where that came from. I need to jot it down in case God is trying to speak to me. Now, I don't think he speaks to me in my sleep because I'm more holy than you. I think he speaks to me in my sleep because he goes, it's the only time her mouth is shut. I can actually get a word in edgeways. And so I have learned to write those thoughts down. And so... I was in a season of life where I was busy and there was a lot going on and there was a lot of opportunity and distractions. And, you know, in those seasons of life, we can just be busy thinking we're serving God without stopping to ask God, is this actually what you want me to serve you? And I think I was in that season. And so I was in bed and this question came to mind and I knew it was a God thought. And so I wrote it down and it made no sense when I wrote it down. I thought, well, in the morning with some caffeine, maybe it will make sense. And the question was this, Charlotte, who are you in line for? Who are you in line for? I struggled with that question because as I thought about it and I began to think about the question, I began to think about, well, I don't like getting in line for anything. I mean, nobody wants to get in line, right? We don't want to get in line at the bank. We don't want to get in line at the doctors. We don't want to get in line when we go for our food. We want to be served straight away. We don't want to get in line. And so I already did not like what this question was suggesting. But then beyond that, the question was asking me not only if I was in line, but who I was in line for. Even suggesting that I was getting a line that wasn't even for myself, but was for someone else. 
And I began to think about all the lines that I stand in. And my mind went very quickly to a place where I have spent a lot of time in lines. A place that is not too far away from here. A place where I have paid a lot of money to stand in lines all day long. A place that is run by a big mouse. Disney. Thought about all the times I've been to Disney and I paid to stand in line. I've actually handed over my money and said, I will just stand in line all day and pay you for the privilege. I began to think about my experience in the line at Disney. And I began to realize that Disney now have realized we don't like standing in line. So even Disney have now created, if you go there, they've created a two-line system. There's the line that you get in with your family and your friends to get on the roller coaster or have the experience that you've chosen. But then off to the left of that line that you get in is another option they have created. And the second option they have created is called the single rider line. Now the whole concept behind the single rider line is if you are willing to ditch your family If you're willing to say, see you later to your friends you said you'd come to have the day with, you can ride the ride right now all by yourself. You can go around two, three times till you're sick to your stomach. You don't have to wait as long as everybody else. And the more I began to think about the single rider line, the more I began to think about the church. And the more I began to wonder if in the church we too have started to look for a secondary option where we ditch the group because we just want our blessing and our miracle and our needs met and my promotion and my thrill now. And I began to wonder if we've started to cater to single rider ambition and single rider requests. And then I began to think about how the arrival of our children, my children, began to change my whole concept of lines. When my kids arrived on the scene, all of a sudden I found myself standing in lines for hours of my life for things that were of no benefit to me whatsoever. I have stood in line for hours to meet a princess who is not a real princess. I know she doesn't have a kingdom. I know the jewels on her crown are fake, but I have stood in line to meet her because my daughter has a dream to meet that princess. And if I don't get in line on her behalf, her dream cannot be realized. I've stood in line for hours to meet a fake and a phony in a red suit that says, Ho, ho, ho. I know. Come Christmas morning, he will take all the credit for my hard-earned dollars. And I know he has never, ever been to the North Pole. But I still have waited in line to meet him because of the children on my left and on my right who have a dream that if I won't get in that line cannot be realized. And I began to think about the Bible. And all the times in the Gospels, it would say Jesus showed up. And it will always say Jesus came to town and it will be followed by a sentence that sounds something like this. And they brought to him all those who were sick. And they brought to him all those that were crippled. And they brought to him all those that were isolated and lonely. And they brought to him even the little children. In other words, when Jesus showed up, you did not come on your own. When Jesus was in town, you did not come in your own vehicle all by yourself. When Jesus showed up, you didn't come to church late and leave early. When Jesus showed up, you didn't check your Dodgers score because Jesus was in town. And if Jesus is in town, I need to go find every single person that needs a dream realized in their life and bring them to where he is. And I began to think about the church now and if the Bible was being written now and whether it would say the same of us. I wonder if it would say, and Jesus showed up in Fresno 
And they brought to him all the neighbors and all the sick and all the lonely and all the broken and all the addicts. They went all around the neighborhoods till not one person was at home. They gathered them all because they knew they couldn't keep it to themselves. Or I wonder if it'd say. And so they came and they filled the car park, one in each car. And they came in to get their miracle. And then they said, thank you very much. And then they went back to tend to business. I wonder if the same desperation, I wonder if the same hunger would be recorded of us. And so it got me thinking about who I was in line for. Because when you know who you're in line for, it changes where you go and what you do. When you realize who you're in line for, even though you're tired, you still get on your knees and you pray. When you realize who you're in line for, it changes the messages you preach. Let me tell you, there are a lot of places I could be. One of them is at home in my own bed. But when you say yes to getting in line for the church and yes to get in line for God's kids, it changes what you do and where you go and how you serve. Because you've given up the single rider option. You have said, no, I'm not turning left. I'm going with the group. And so I want to consider over the next few moments some aspects that I believe we should all commit to if we're going to build the house of God in the right way. Aspects that we all need to be aware of that we are responsible for when it comes to answering this question. And the first is this. I believe that we should all keep starting new lines. Turn to the person next to you and say, start a line. Okay, say it like you mean it. Start a line. The best way I can describe this to you is by telling you one of the things I hate with a passion. I do not like going to the grocery store. I don't like going to the grocery store. I just, I just don't like it. I don't know why. I just don't. And in England, you can order all your groceries online. And they get delivered to your house and some nice person helps you unpack them. And that works perfectly for me. But there's always the odd occasion, you know, when you open the cupboard and it looks like, you know, everybody is just eating everything. And you go to the bathroom and there's no toilet rolls as if they just drop out of the sky magically by a toilet roll fairy. And you realize I'm going to have to go to the store. Now on that occasion, when I have to go to the store, it's like a memo goes out around the neighborhood. And the memo says, everybody, everybody, Get in your car and go to the store because Charlotte is on her way there. Yes, because I never show up and it's quiet. I never show up and there's no one in the aisles. Whenever I go to the store, everybody is there. And they're not just there, but they're there with children in full meltdown mode. Aisle three, there's a domestic over vegetables. Aisle seven, there's a kid having the worst tantrum ever. Aisle nine, there's a spillage of milk. It's just a disaster. And then to make matters worse, I finally get the few things that I came for. And I come round the corner and behold, there is a sea of chaos. As everyone is backed up in the aisles with overflowing carts. And there are way more customers then there are staff. Now, at that po point in time, you have two choices. Number one is you can be a good Christian, which I know you all are in Fresno. <laughs> and what Christians, good Christians do in that moment of frustration is they stand there with their cart and they silently protest. <laughs> they don't say anything because that's not Christian. But they do all the body language that lets everybody in the store know, I am not pleased with this situation. <laughs> they tap their foot and they roll their eyes and they keep looking at their watch, letting everyone know, I should be somewhere by now. And they <sighs> sigh deeply as no one is getting served fast enough. That's what Christians typically do. But not me. No. I have created a second option. You can try it if you would like. When I see the sea of chaos, I have a plan. Now, my plan usually involves a young man. Sorry, men. But this involves pride and men are more susceptible to this plan than women. So I look for a young man 
that has just begun to work at the store. You know, you can tell the ones that have just got the job at the store because their uniform is actually still pressed and they've actually bothered to like buff their shoes. And you know, the ones that have worked there and they're like way past it and their shirt's hanging out and they don't really care. But the ones that like, you know, they're like, I've got a job, you know, they're really excited. So I look for that guy and I find that guy and I go, hello. He says, yes, ma'am. Hello. And I say, I know there's leadership in you. I'll just let it hang for a minute. This star has no idea the greatness inside of you. They're yet to know that you are management material. But today, today, they are going to get a glimpse of what is inside of you. Now follow me. And because he's slightly scared of the lady in aisle seven, he follows me. And I take him with my cart and I say, behold, I show you a problem. We have all these customers and not enough staff. You are going to go find someone with higher powers than yourself. You're going to find someone with the power of the register. And you're going to bring them to me. And me and you are going to start a new line now because pride is involved and he doesn't want to let the crazy lady down he goes not five minutes have passed and he comes back with someone with higher powers and that person gets their key for the register and I take my cart and I go past all the other suckers I mean customers and I go into the brand new line and I can see the other customers looking at me like, you are a hero. And I'm like, you're welcome. Follow me. Because, because when you open a new line, more people can be served. When you start a new line, more needs are met. Hello. Here's the church. Here's the church. I need to get more car park people in this church. It's taken me ages to get in and out today. It took me ages to get my kids registered in kids' church. They should get some more volunteers in that department. You know what? No one greeted me in church. You know what? No one actually came and prayed for me in church. And we silently tap our foot and we silently roll our eyes. Whereas God's idea is, hello, why don't you start the new line? Why don't you go sign up and serve? Why don't you get on a team? Why don't you go and help in kids' church? Why don't you open a new register so more people can be served? That's the job of the church. It's our job to keep starting new lines. Some of you are bored in church. I have news for you. You might not like it, but church is not boring. God is not boring. The word is not boring. So guess what the common denominator is? You're boring. You're boring. If all you do is come in here and sit on a seat and then go out there and get in your car, yes, church is boring because church is not a show. It's a, it's a building that we're all called to build. And, and once you get involved, here's the thing. Once you get involved, you don't have time to tap your foot and roll your eyes and complain about the lack of staff because you're off finding someone to open a new register. You're off helping get the queue go down. You're helping letting the line get smaller because you're putting yourself in the mix and saying, I can help. I can serve. I can pray. I can give. I can come early. I can put chairs out. I can clean up. I can do something. And when you're doing something, you don't have time to say, I'm bored. We're called to start new lines. There's a woman in the Bible that got Jesus to start a new line. He wasn't even intending to serve this customer today. This woman came to Jesus and she was desperate. And we read a story in Matthew. And it says in Matthew 15 that this woman, she needed a miracle and Jesus hadn't come to help her. She wasn't the top of the people to be served that day. See, she was a Canaanite woman. And it says in Matthew 15 verse 22 that this Canaanite woman, she came. 
from the vicinity and she crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon possessed and suffering terribly. And Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and they said, hey, Jesus, send her away. Tell her the line's closed. Tell her there's no room for her. Tell her we've got enough customers right now. Send her away because she keeps crying out after us. So Jesus answers, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Register closed. I, I, I didn't come to serve you today. This is Jesus. And the woman came and she knelt before him, but she said, Lord, Lord, would you help me? And he replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Okay, time out. Just, let's just take a little time out here. Jesus just called this woman a dog. If you have ever been offended in church, may I suggest to you, get over it. Get over it. Because Jesus just called her a dog. It's like, you can't exactly refer this to the management. He is the management. Okay? And may I suggest to you that some of you have not received your breakthrough because you can't get past your offense. You've shrunk your life down to the size of your offense. And you're like, but I want this to happen. But you've stopped at the offense. This woman did not stop at the offense because she was more desperate for the line to be open than she was being offended. She was more desperate for a breakthrough than she was how she felt, how people felt about her. Some of us, we have this thing that we want, God, if you just give me this, but we can't get over the offense. We won't push past it. We're not desperate enough then. If your offense will keep you, it'll keep you not asking, not reaching. If your offense will get you to miss church, to skip a meeting, to have a bad attitude, then God's like, well, then you're not desperate enough. This woman, when she was called a dog, could have said, oh, fine, you know, I'm out of here. That's the kind of Jesus you are. I don't want to know. There's no such thing as a perfect church. There's no such thing as perfect leaders. There's a perfect God that works through imperfect people, but there's no such thing as a perfect church. (laughs) And I have some more news for you. If there was a perfect church... The day you joined it, it would stop being perfect. (laughs) What do you do at that point when you're offended when they didn't sing your song or they didn't pray for you in the way you wanted or they didn't thank you publicly and they thanked someone else or you got overlooked or something didn't happen the way you wanted it or someone said something that you felt was unkind? What, What do you do at that point? Because that's the point she's at. She's at a point where Jesus has just called her a dog. And this woman, she didn't care. She's like, you can call me what you want. I'm leaving here with a miracle. You can call me what you want, but I'm leaving here with a miracle. See, when you remember who you're in line for, you push past your offense. When you remember that if you don't get this breakthrough, your kid is going to be stuck in an addiction, you get past your offense. When you remember that if I don't push past my offense, my marriage is going down the toilet, you push past the offense. And this woman, Jesus is like, well, you know, I'm not going to toss this bread to the dogs. And she goes, but Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus went, girl, your faith just got a register opened. Your request will be granted. Because Jesus cannot resist it when we are desperate enough to push past what the rest of the world stay at the other side of. Called to start new lines. Your desperation is what starts new lines. Your hunger for people to be healed starts new lines. Your thirst for the word of God starts new lines. Your passion for the house of God starts new lines. Your empathy for people that are lost starts new lines. And God is trying to get the church to keep opening new lines instead of tapping their foot and rolling their eyes. Start a new line. When was the last time you started a new line? Secondly, and this is a huge one for the church, stay in line. 
Turn to someone else and say, stay in line. Stay in line. What's wrong with us? The world desperately needs to see consistency. The world desperately needs to see people that stand by the word that they gave them. The world desperately needs to see marriages that go the full course. The world desperately needs to see parents that don't quit on their kids. The world desperately needs to see lives that know how to stay in line, stay in line, stay in line. But sometimes we make the church like the hokey pokey. I put my left foot in, I take my left foot out, I put my left foot in and I shake it all about. That's what church is for me. No, that's not what Christ said he's coming back for. Planted, you flourish. What's planting? It's staying in line. There's a reason why you say your marriage vows at the beginning. Hello. Because if you said them in the middle, you'd be like, you can take that out and you can take that out and you can edit that. No, you make a commitment that I'm going to stay in line. I'm going to stick in good times and bad. I'm going to stay in line. That's a commitment. And that's what we're supposed to do. But so many of us struggle. You know, there's always that moment at Disney. I know it's coming. You know, we've been in line for the ride that we have to ride. We've been in line for 30 minutes and we've eaten all the snacks. We drank all the drinks. And we drained our battery by playing heads up. We're all out of entertainment options. And right about that moment, immaturity finds its voice. And immaturity begins to say, I don't want to ride it anymore. I want to get out of line. I'm hot. I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to get out of line. And maturity knows something that immaturity doesn't. Which is... When we get out of this line and you have had something to eat and you've cooled off, you're going to see the same ride two hours later. And you're going to say to me, I changed my mind. I really do want to ride that ride. And I'm going to have to explain to immaturity. Well, guess what? We're going to have to go all the way back to the beginning and start all over again. Because all the time that we invested, we have just now lost because immaturity would not stay in line. Stay in line. I've been in the same church all my life. I've tried to leave several times. God doesn't let me. I have to stay in line. In the good and the bad and the ugly, I have to stay in line because that's what family is. It's staying in line. You know, if there's one thing that will get you and I to get out of the line quicker than anything else, it's those dreaded people that I call line jumpers. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay. So you know when you're on the freeway and there's that sign. It's not little. It's large. It's not like you couldn't see it because it's neon and it's usually flashing. So we've all seen the sign. And the sign says... Lane merging ahead, okay? So we all know what it's telling us to do. We all need to get in line because this two lane is going down to one. So everybody that's from Fresno, good Christians, they get in line. They obey the law of the land. But there's always one. And she's usually blonde from England, confession time. She just thinks to herself, I'll just go a little further because I surely have somewhere more important to be than anyone else in this line. I'll just, I'll just go a little further because I'm sure it's not for ages yet until it actually emerges. And so you go a little further and a little further and eventually you can go no further because now the merge is on and now you're into a standoff between you. And the one that has stayed in line. And that person knows you're there. But at that moment in time, they are saying to themselves, look not to the left nor to the right. Because they know eye contact is fatal. Game over if you make eye contact. Because when you make eye contact, that person will try and break you down. They'll look at you and go, Jesus loves you so sorry didn't know liar liar pants on fire 
And then they make you look like the bad guy because you're not letting them in. So you don't look. And when the car in front moves, you move. Like you couldn't get a feather between you and the car in front. You just let them know, don't even try and get in here because I stayed in line, right? Line jumpers. You know, you've been in the church six, seven years. And no one's publicly thanked you. And then line jumper shows up. Mr. Greatest talented person we've ever had. Gets all the applause and he's the pastor's favorite and he gets invited for supper. You've been here 10 years, no one invited you for supper. Line jumper. You get a sticker with the name on a chair. Stop out. Line jumper. You never had a sticker on the chair and you paid for the chairs. Someone comes to church and when they've been saved five minutes and they need a miracle, they need finances and like money just drops out of heaven and you've been broke for five years and God's never dropped nothing out of heaven on you. You're like, line jumper, that was my miracle. It was my turn. And you know, it's in those moments when no one seems to be looking that we begin to have our own conversation. What's the point in giving? I've stayed in line giving for all these years. I ain't got my miracle. No one's going to notice if I stop tithing. What's the point in serving? Nobody's going to ever thank me. You know what? I'm just going to come off the rotor. You know what's the point in being at services every week? No one even knows if they're not there. Line jumpers begin to tell you to get out of line. We get our line in our marriage. We get our line. Stop praying for that person because I don't see any change. We get our line. We begin to exit the things that we're supposed to stay in. You know, there's a guy in the Bible that had a line jumper show up. If you were to ask him, Jairus, who are you in line for? He just said straight away, oh, I'm not in line for me. I didn't come down here for anything for me. I've come to get in line because see, my daughter is really sick. I'm in line for my kid. I'm in line because she's really ill. I'm in line because I'm desperate. I don't know where else to go. If you ask Jairus, he'd answer you straight away who he was in line for that day. And so he came and he left his daughter at home and servants of the house were looking after and he stood in line and he stood in line and the bible tells us that that day there were crowds everywhere pressing and pushing trying to get to jesus but he waited and he stayed in line and he watched one miracle after another and it wasn't his turn yet and it wasn't his turn yet and it wasn't his turn yet and he was hot and he was tired and he was worried about his daughter back home but he stayed in line he stayed in line he stayed in line and finally jesus gets to jairus in Luke 8, it tells us that Jesus comes right to where Jairus is. And he begins to say to Jairus, what is it you need? And right as Jairus begins to tell him the whole reason why he stayed in line, a line jumper shows up. No one saw this line jumper coming. Because see, she crawled on her hands and knees. She wasn't at eye level. No one saw her. She dragged her body under everybody's feet to try and get to where Jesus was. She was desperate to try and get to where he was. And so in the crowds, this line jumper is underneath everyone's radar. And right in Jairus's moment, that was the moment when she reached out her hand and she just grabbed for whatever she could feel. And as she reached out, that was the moment that she touched Jesus's garment. And in Jairus' moment, a line jumper shows up and Jesus, it says, turns his back on Jairus and says, who touched me? I imagine Jairus thinking, are you kidding me? I've been here all day. I'm desperate. If you could just, Jesus, wait, deal with her in a minute, but it's my time. It's my turn. Jesus turns around as if he's ignoring Jairus completely and he begins to heal this woman. And right at that moment, someone comes from Jairus' household and whispers in his ear. Let me tell you something. 
The enemy knows exactly when to whisper in your ear. He knows exactly when there's the lowest point when you're thinking about having another drink. The lowest point when you're thinking about picking up the phone to that bad relationship. The lowest point when you're thinking about getting back in the porn addiction. He knows the exact moment when your energy's down, your walls are down, you feel disappointed. And he knows, if I can just at that moment whisper something in the ear that's the final straw. So Jairus has someone come and say, hey, in Luke 8 verse 49, Jesus is speaking to this woman. Someone came from the house of Jairus and whispered, your daughter, Jairus, is dead. Listen to this next line. So don't bother the teacher anymore. Jairus, get out of line. There's no point staying in line. It's too late. It's too far gone. Just exit the line. It's less embarrassing. Just come out of the line. And right at that moment, as that news is being whispered in his ear, it says, Jesus pivoted back round. And he looked at Jairus and he said, Jairus, don't be afraid. Jairus, just believe. Jairus, she will be healed. Jairus, stay in line. Stay in line. Stay in line. See, here's what we don't understand. So often we miss this. Jairus' perspective and Jesus' perspective are entirely different. You've got to understand in your moment, do you have enough grace for someone else to have a moment? Or do you feel that if they get the moment, somehow you're going to get overlooked? See, Jairus, Jairus had come that day and he got in line for his daughter. But Jesus' perspective is no one came and got in line for this woman. Your daughter's at home tucked up in bed with people around her. This woman dragged her own body across the floor because no one would come for her. So Jairus, can you just hold a minute because no one's in line for her. Jairus' perspective, my 12-year-old daughter is sick. Jesus' perspective, Jairus, this woman's been sick for 12 whole years. So could you just wait a moment? (laughs) Jairus' perspective, you know what? I think I've been ignored. Jesus' perspective, Jairus, you've just been upgraded. Because a minute ago, you needed me to come and heal your daughter. Now... You need me to come and resurrect your daughter. You just got upgraded, not ignored. Some of you left the line because you felt ignored and you missed your upgrade. Stay in line. You quit and God's like, why did you quit? I had something better for you. I'm just testing if there's room for this as well as room for that. There's an upgrade for you, not an ignoring of you. Stay in line. Don't listen to the whisper that says, get out of line. Don't bother the teacher. Go home. Quit. Don't listen to the whisper. Stay in line. Instead, hear what Jesus said to Jairus. Jairus, don't be afraid. Jairus, just believe. Jairus, I'm good for the miracle and above and beyond the miracle. Stay in line. All across the room, I want you to stand to your feet. You know, there's one other thing I think we also have to consider as believers. And that is that we don't just have to start lines. We don't just have to stay in line. We also have to get across the line. You know, there's a story in the Bible of a guy that for 38 years sat on a mat as a cripple. 38 years he sat there as a cripple and Jesus said, what do you want? And he said, no one will help me over the line. No one will get me in the water. I can't get healed unless I get in the water. And Jesus said, hey, today you're well, pick up your mat, go home. So he went home and he was miraculously healed. But what many people don't know is that in John 5 verse 1, it begins to tell us that Jesus, after teaching all day, that day, after healing that man in the morning, he went at the end of the day to find the same man. 
and he found that guy before he left town and he called the guy to him and he said one more thing yes Jesus one more thing don't sin anymore because if you do something worse is going to happen to you see Jesus didn't just want to heal him he wanted him to be whole he didn't just want him to get over a line he wanted to stay across the line he didn't want him to keep coming back and some of you you are repeat appeal attenders you've been coming for prayer for the same thing year after year after year and while I applaud that you're still willing to come for prayer I maybe want to ask a question once God has done his part are you doing yours because if you say God free me of my addiction and then go back to the addicts then you never stay across the line if you say God help me stay clean and pure and then you load the thing on the internet you're not helping you stay across the line I don't know where this finds you this Wednesday evening in Fresno but I end where I began who are you in line for where do you need to start a line where do you need to stay in line where do you need to maybe get across that line God sees you God has not forgotten you but this part is on you it's not on God this part is your part it's not his all across the room just close your eyes I'm going to do two things first of all I'm speaking to you all as a church I know what part of this you know is speaking to your own life personally whether it's a staying line whether it's a marriage or it's to do with the church or it's ministry or it's family or but you know where this is resonating you know what it is that you've kept thinking about the whole message that's the Holy Spirit highlighting something that just needs your attention right now wherever you are in this room if you're saying I know there's something in my life that has been highlighted in these moments I'm going to ask you to simply raise your hands eyes are closed we're just raising our hands and I'm going to pray over you all I'm going to pray over you all as you try and identify who you're in line for whether it's that you need courage to start a line or stay in line or whether it is that you're raising your hands saying God I know in this area it's something that I have forgotten about I've not even given attention to but God tonight I'm lifting hands to say God here I am I recognize my part in the equation I ask myself this question now every other month because we can easily drift all of us can drift hands everywhere pretty much the whole room come on just lift our hands to heaven I'm gonna pray over all of you that have raised your hand I can't include you if your hands aren't raised my hands are raised sometimes I need to be reminded to stay in line sometimes I need to be reminded to have the courage to start that new line Father, you see our hands raised. We are your kids. We lift our hands to you, our Father. And God, we choose to hear your voice in this moment. Your voice that says, do not be afraid. Your voice that says, just believe. Your voice that says, stay in line. Your voice that says, go start a line. Your voice that says, don't sin anymore and get across the line. Your voice that calls to us to get in line for others your voice that tells us stop getting out of line stop being in and out and stay and stand and believe your voice that calls us back to prayer where we've quit praying your voice that calls us back to serve where we've stopped serving your voice that challenges to pick up the pen and write again to dream again to believe again your voice that says you're not finished yet there's more for you to do your voice that calls us higher when the whisper tells us to stay lower oh God I pray our hands would be a surrender and a commitment afresh to keep saying God I want to get in line I want to get in line for those that are broken and hurting I want to get in line for my family and my kids I want to get in line for those that don't know you I want to get in line for my marriage my husband for my wife I want to get in line for that ministry you entrusted me with oh God whatever it is that these hands represent just right now I pray you would seal something in every heart in every family in every marriage strength to the weary 
healing to the broken, restoration to those that are ready to quit, fresh dreams to those that have stopped dreaming, new passion to those that have become apathetic, excitement to those that have settled for average and dull ones. Oh God, revive in your church. Like the early church, a seeking and a hunger and a thirst for more of you, more of you, more of you. Just keep your eyes closed and stay in that attitude of prayer. Just lower your hands. And while your eyes are closed and hands are lowered, I'm just going to ask one more thing. You know, if there's ever a picture of all these three things in one. It's a picture of the cross. Jesus came to start a line called salvation. And when he hung on a cross in agony, he could have got off the cross at any time. But he stayed on the line. He stayed on the cross because your sins and your brokenness and your waywardness needed him to stay on that line and he went to hell itself to cross the line once and for all to secure you an eternity that was not hell bound but heaven sent the cross is a picture of all these things and I don't know where you stand with God tonight but I've come all this way for you to have this moment if you need God tonight as your savior if you need sins forgiven if you need to come home because you have been one that got out of line and ran away. I'm just opening this moment to say, come home, get your life right, get something sorted that needs sorting once and for all. Receive Jesus if you need to receive it. So right now, the church are praying. And right now, as eyes are closed, the church are praying. If that's you, just stick your hand up high. So that's me tonight, over here and over here and over here. Come on, there's nothing to be ashamed about. Your hand's saying, I want to get my life right. I need forgiveness for these areas. I've drifted. I need God for the first time. There's hands everywhere. So many hands, so many hands. So awesome. So awesome. I wasn't going to do this and time's gone, but you know what? I don't really care. I came all this way for this moment. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask the team to come forward in a minute and sing this song. And as they come forward, we're just going to sing just the chorus of this song. And when we do, that's going to be an opportunity for you that have just raised your hand or you that didn't dare raise your hand to do something bold. You're going to walk it out. You know, there's something about sometimes putting a hand up and slipping out of a meeting that's like we escaped the embarrassment. There's no embarrassment here. This is like the woman that crawled for her blessing. This is like the woman that said, I don't care what you call me or who looks at me. Funny, I'm staying here for my breakthrough. It's a desperation moment. It's a, I'm not leaving the same as I came in. So if you are saying in any way, I don't want to leave the same way I came in. I need Jesus. I need a breakthrough. Even if in that moment you were like, I don't know if it's me or not. Well, if you're thinking, I don't know if it's me or not, it's you. Just get it right. Get it sorted. Let's have a passion to leave different tonight. So as we sing, as we sing this song, and if you're nervous, just turn to someone and say, you just became my walking partner. And they will walk you down the front because you don't have to come alone. And then we're going to pray a prayer before we release you. But let's do this. Let's walk out this decision. Let's get this action going to cross this line. Come on, just begin to come as we began to. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.